Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We want to thank you for listening to this chapel message. Our mission at Southeastern is to seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. We hope that you enjoy this chapel message and that you will visit our website. It's www.sebts.edu. There you can learn more about our school and what the Lord is doing here. We hope you enjoy the message. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. Greet you in the name of Christ, our Lord, who's the head of the church and counted a joy to be here, this wonderful seminary, and I thank the Lord for my good friend and brother in the gospel, Dr. Danny Aiken, and his kind invitation to come. And uh, it is funny, uh, I love this brother, I appreciate this brother, and um, so there have been few situations in ministry or life where he's been like of no help. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he has raised sons and uh, a few of my other brothers I appreciate Herschel York, Tom Rayner they've raised sons and so some of my leaning posts are like no help during this season of life it's always good to see the beginning of a semester I've been in denominational service at the state convention level now for two years, but I really, the last two Augusts, I still miss August and just the beginning of the academic year and all that goes with that. And so I certainly pray that the Lord will bless you. I do pray that you'll be disciplined and focused. Um, I believe in prayer. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. But prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit without studying and preparation still gets you an F. So I want to encourage you to be disciplined and focused in your studies and preparation. Let me invite you to the 18th chapter of John's Gospel. I want to use my time fruitfully. Obeying God can be hard. Obeying God can be hard. Civil religion, nominal cultural religion in the South, the prosperity gospel, None of these things that characterize American Christianity instill the toughness and the endurance in those who cling to those systems. Civil religion and nominal Christianity and the prosperity gospel either push you to attempt to use God to appropriate material resources or push you to use God to just kind of give a nod to God that you might get some type of national or communal blessings. But obeying God as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ at times can be hard. 
We are followers of the one who the scripture says he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We are a follower of the one who Isaiah prophesied. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by his stripes, we are healed. We are followers of the one who cried out at a great moment of obedience in giving glory to the Father. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Obedience can be hard. And some of our Americanized Christianity is lacking toughness. My daughter and I took a little daddy-daughter trip. We always do that, but I, the ones this year have been more special because I know they're waning and I need to see if her calendar can work now when I want to do something with her. <laughs> or if I want to do something, take her somewhere, I need to consider I need to buy three tickets instead of two tickets. We were in Kenya, and I was just blown away by the daily routine of some of the pastors of what we would call small congregations. The way they travel to visit their members, the way they engage opposition, sometimes from Islam, from Jehovah Witnesses, from Mormonism, from African indigenous religions. Just, 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 just the hardness of their life. I was thinking about, man, I talk to people sometimes who are struggling to whether or not to accept an offer because the parsonage doesn't have enough bedrooms for their kids to have individual rooms. I talk to people sometimes who like struggling with should I follow the call of God because I want to be full time and I don't want my wife to work and I'm just not sure I can have the lifestyle I want on this kind of support. Sometimes following God is hard. Listen to this hard episode. This is the height of glorifying the Father as Jesus is heading into the Passion. I want to focus on the 11th verse, but I never like just reading the ver a verse, so let me just read up to it. After Jesus had said these things, he went out with his disciples across the Kedron Valley where there were, uh, was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas took a company of uh, soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees and came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, went out and said to them, Who is it that you're seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. I am he, he told them. Judas, who betrayed him, was also standing with them. When Jesus told them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. 
Then he asked them again, who is it that you're seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. I told you, I am he, Jesus replied. So if you're looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the words he had said, I have not lost one of those you have given me. He said those words in his prayer in the previous chapter in John chapter 17. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servants and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. At that, Jesus said to Peter, put your sword away. Am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? That's some hard obedience right there. And I'm not sure how hard we are. And you're gonna leave here and you're gonna serve churches and sometimes you're gonna arrive at a congregation and you're gonna realize, man, these people aren't geared for the cost of discipleship. None of us can like push back when it's challenging to follow the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus never hid the fact that it would be challenging. Before you come after me, count the cause. Who begins to build a building without making sure they have enough to finish? Who begins to go into a warfare without making sure they have enough to complete the warfare? If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. If they did this to me, what do you think they'll do to you? In this world, you'll have great tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. If you were of the world, the world would love you. But since you're not of the world, the world doesn't. So when the challenges of obeying Christ and doing the will of the Father come upon us, we can't say, well, you know, I didn't know that, you know, I didn't know it was going to be like this. Well, you didn't go to third school, Sunday school, if you, third grade, Sunday school, if you didn't know it was going to be like that. I knew in the third grade, not even saved, filled the spirit. The Christian life is hard because the Bible says it's hard. Oh, yeah, we don't read the Bible in our churches. In the early 90s, I think it was the early 90s, President H, George H.W. Bush, we were in Desert Storm. And every now and then, um, this is, I, I know that some of y'all, you know, you think the media has always been everywhere. But this is like when the media was beginning to be a lot of places and have military deployments and reporters and all that. And sometimes they would be out in battle zones and they would, be, they would interview soldiers and, and people would say stuff like, I can't believe I'm out here on deployment. I'm out here in a combat area. I joined the military because I wanted to go to college. And I remember thinking, woo, you are dumb. <laughs> Or, 
Some recruiter lied to you just to fill his or her quota. Well, Jesus lays out clearly what it means to follow him. And throughout his ministry, he would lay out clearly to his disciples what he would have to do in order to do the will of the Father. On multiple occasions, he told his disciples, we are going to Jerusalem. I will be betrayed by the high priest. I will be arrested. I'll be crucified. And on the third day, I will rise again. And now, when it's time to do what he said he would do, all stuff is breaking loose. Some of the disciples will flee. People will be discouraged. People will be confused about what's going on. And my favorite disciple, he's going to say, hey, look, I'm going to just fix this. He's my favorite disciple because, I mean, I, I, you know, I believe Jude, but Jude is not why I believe in the security of believer. I believe in the security of believer because you can say stupid stuff, do stupid stuff, and Jesus won't throw you away. Not only will he not throw you away, he'll let you preach the only mainline sermon the church ever had, which is the day of Pentecost. And if any of my Pentecostal friends are watching, Dr. Aiken was just making a joke. He knows the Church of God is one of the four historic original Pentecostal denominations with confessions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can't be surprised. In each of the Gospels, don't you get this sense when you turn toward the passion and Jesus resolutely setting his face towards the cross. We can't be surprised when the things that are supposed to happen, happen. We can't act like we're thrown off just because yes, those things are hard. We need some toughness in our following of Jesus Christ. We need some willingness to pay the cost in our following of Jesus Christ, male, female, young, or old. We need some grit in our obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. We were in, uh, <laughs> we were in Kenya, and I was uh, observing. I've been there. This is my second time going, and I was observing just the daily routines of life. I did this women's conference, um, and I was speaking, and I went up the street to a pastor's conference, and I was like going back and forth between these two conferences, and I asked the host, I said, are the, are the sisters all right with this like hour break and everything? And <laughs> he was like, the sisters are fine with it. I said, because they, they, he said, they're wives and mothers and they take care of them. He said, they always have people pulling at them. They always have stuff to do. Their life is tough. And so the hour that you go up there and teach the pastors, they're fine with it. Because <laughs> their life is tough. Just the routine and the vigor of life. I call, I call my wife. I say, woo. I said, I love you, baby. I said, but if, if there's ever a fight between the women of Kenya and the women of Kentucky, mm. <laughs> See, these sisters are tough. We've got to get some t 
toughness and our ability to follow Christ. Shall I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm quoting from the KJV. <laughs> Shall I not drink the cup that my Father has given me? Yes, it's what the Bible sometimes describes as a bitter cup. Yes, it's what Jesus will describe as the bitter cup when uh, uh, the sons of Zebedee's mother say, can my son sit on the right and the left hand of you when you come into your kingdom? And he says, are they able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Yes, it is the cup of God's wrath described in the book of Revelation. Yes, there's nothing nice about this cup. And yet, according to the will of the Father and the plan of redemption of God's people, as the lamb has to suffer as a sacrifice for the sin of God's people, the Son of God says in perfect obedience, shall I not drink the cup my father has given me is obedience contingent upon whether something is hard or easy or is it contingent upon whether or not it is the will of God Jesus situated himself in this manner I have not come to do my will, but the will of my Father who sent me. My meat is to do the will of my Father who sent me. Even, even when things were existentially tough and his soul is sore vexed within him and he's crying out in prayer, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. Now, here's the resolution again. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Shall I not drink the cup? Shall I not perform the will of God? Shall I not obey the will of God? My name is Jesus. I, I did come to seek and to save that which is lost. I shall save my people from their sins, and that entails drinking the bitter cup. Shall I not obey the will of the Father just because it's hard? So Peter's natural reaction is, ooh, this is difficult. Let me see if I can use some of my own resources to avoid this. Do we ever try to use our resources, our abilities, our thoughts, our smooth language, our ability to deflect? Do we ever try to use our own abilities and resources to avoid the hardness of following God? I mean, we know the cost of discipleship is laid out in the scripture. Do we ever try to seek a discount? Or worse, do we ever try to get like the hookup? I used to always tell church people, if somebody's starting a business and they're a member of your church, pay them. You know, they are, hey, hey, we church members, can you give me, you know, I mean, I know this costs $100. How much is it going to cost me? $105. <laughs> Relationships shouldn't, like, make you seek discount or the hookup. Do we ever try to, like, discount the cost of following Christ? And so Peter is rebuked by the Lord. Put your sword away. Now, now, please see this. Peter loves Jesus. It's just the instinct to avoid hardness in obeying God. 
You should remember earlier, Jesus said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, be betrayed, arrested, crucified, third day rise again. You should remember earlier, Peter said, no, no, Lord, never. And Jesus rebukes him again previously. Get behind me, Satan, for you are not thinking of the things of God, but the things of man. My convenience, my ease, my comfort. I don't feel like suffering. Shall I not drink the cup my father has given me? Doing the will of the father can be hard. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I used to love to take new married couples to see one of our deacons at our church in Louisville. And he was caring for his wife. Um, who was dealing with Alzheimer's and dementia, things like that. And um, as they should be, when you're doing pastoral counseling, engaged couples, they're all, and uh, they're all excited about graduating from true love weights. And, you know, they just all in the, they just all in this kind of, And so I don't want to be like a military recruiter that doesn't tell you the whole deal. And so I say, let's go by and see Deacon Earl. And, and, and I want you to just see another little picture of marriage. Keep your hallmark pictures. Keep, your, uh, keep all the pictures you got. I just want you to see another little picture as well. And have him share with them about caring for his wife and the struggle and the commitment of marriage and all those kind of things. Brothers and sisters, when obedience is hard, that's the exact time we are denying ourselves and taking up our cross daily and following the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in the maximum demonstration, our Lord endures the agony and the passion of crucifixion for our redemption and in smaller demonstrations, we ought to always ask ourselves, shall I not pay the cost of being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus said to Peter, put up your sword. Am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? So here's a little theological point. Um, sometime I'm around people and they like sovereignty, 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 sovereignty. Yeah, okay. I mean, your beliefs about the sovereignty of God don't really matter when everything is cool and good and all right. I mean, your beliefs about the sovereignty of God matter when you can say like Job, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. I mean, I enjoy reading what people like D.A. Carson and faithful Bible expositors in the United States say about the sovereignty of God, but I really like reading what Chinese pastors and North African pastors and Egyptian pastors say about the sovereignty of God. Because the sovereignty of God in comfort as a doctrine is different than the sovereignty of God in an agonizing spot. 
Matter of fact, as American Christianity feels that we're struggling in a more post-Christian era, I'm always encouraging people to dig into some of the biblically faithful sources in the historic black church, because they've always had a theodicy that the broader church has not had, because they have not needed it. How? Do we stand to the glory of God in a trying situation and say, Father, I shall drink the cup that obedience to you requires at this particular moment. I'll reject this sin or I'll do this act of obedience or I'll endure this hardship for the glory of Jesus Christ as a stranger and a foreigner in a in second Peter, first Peter language as a pilgrim in a barren land. How do I do that? So here's some shouting, y'all. The Bible says, am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? Aren't y'all glad he drank that cup? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, so if, if I were preaching this at the Church of God Theological Seminary in Cleveland, Tennessee, when I said that, somebody would have said, Dining! And sometimes people have like thought religion, thought worship was like black and white and all. It, it, it's not black and white, it's just your mindset. Because they would have said, dun dun, and then a whole lot of white Pentecostals would start running around. Yes! He drank it! He drank it! He drank it! He drank it! Yes. So Baptists, aren't y'all glad he drank the bitter cup? But the glory is on the other side of some rough obedience, hard obedience. There are many beautiful pictures. I just not, I, I've not found a picture more vivid than Hebrews. For the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the agony of the cross. Whoo, that's a beautiful picture. So for the joy and the glory of Jesus Christ, there will be episodes of obedience that are required in your life where you will have to push through, endure, in order that you might see the glory of God in your obedience. Does it always feel good? No. No. I used to always say, Brother Earl, when I bring these couples over here, please make sure you tell them this ain't nice, this ain't easy, this ain't fun. No, obedience isn't always nice, easy, fun. I, I hate the fact that American Christianity has a smile to it. When I was young, I used to be like, oh, my pastor never smiles. You look at past pictures of my late pastor, we could be, yeah, 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 yeah. They say, let's take a picture, he'll say. <laughs> and when I was young, I was like, what is that, man? He's like, there's a solemnity to being a minister of the gospel. Like, 
Well, we smile so much and we so Shula Osteenish, Van Peel, feel good, talk good, power, positive and power thinking crapheads. I agree with my pastor. We need a more enduring solemnity, hardness, willingness to drink the bitter cup. Now, this is not the first time he mentions this. This is not the first time he's mentioned the endurance he would have to do. So let me just encourage you. You need to think right now, I'm willing to take some hard stands for biblical truth in a congregation if I serve a congregation and some issues of sin arise. If I go to a congregation that says they, they, they want revitalization and we begin to pursue the Lord Jesus Christ and begin to make disciples and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them all things. And, and some, some old guard in there pushes up or some carnal sin club in there pushes up. I, 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 I'm going to endure the hardness of being a faithful shepherd. You say, I want to plant a church. Well, you might want to plant a church in an unreached area, a place where Christ has not been known, and there might not be a strong gospel witness in the area. And so uh, uh, you might endure a lot of hostility from a post-Christian community, but you're going to have to just like push through and be a gospel light in that area and love your neighbor and share the gospel. And sometimes that's going to be challenging. Sometimes that's going to be hard. In my role now, I get to talk to people that want to come to Baltimore and plant churches. <laughs> and they walk in so happy. Hello, hello, state executive, Red Baptist Convention. We're for Jesus. We're for Jesus. Oh, gosh. Buffy, please calm down. You can get on the streets of Baltimore. It's going to be challenging. But I want to encourage us to ask this question more. Rather than look for a deflection, rather than look for an excuse, rather than back up, shall we not drink the cup that the Father has given us? That cup was the spotless Lamb of God dying for the sins of the world. That cup was He that was without sin becoming sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That cup is the one who made the heavens and the earth. John said earlier there was not anything made that was made without him. That cup is that one being mocked and scorned as he hangs on a cross between two thieves. That cup is the one who prayed in John 17, Father, give me the glory back that I had with you before the world was. The bitter cup is that one crying out, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That bitter cup is Jesus Christ fulfilling the will of the Father and crying out in agonizing victory. I know we don't often put those words together, but crying out in agonizing victory, it is finished. In the scripture, victory can sometimes be in some rough clothes. 
And um, being a follower of Christ in the United States, we have a lot of resources. Being a follower of Christ in the largest Protestant denomination in the United States, we have a lot of resources. And sometimes when you have resources and abilities, you can be prone to do things like Peter did in, chapter, in verse 10, trying to remove the cost of obedience. It's not a perfect picture, but I was telling Dr. Aiken earlier, the follower of Christ is called in the scripture in the New Testament to be something like a marine. And I don't mean any disrespect, but we have too many women and men in the church in the United States that think it's more like being a Walmart security guard. So it's called, it's called a great sacrifice. Parents, raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. That requires great sacrifice. I've always rejoiced as a pastor marrying off young couples who grew up in the church and were discipled and have honored the Lord. And, uh, but I've always known the cost that those families have, have paid in a place like Louisville or when I pass it in Chattanooga, all the cultural pressure to do this with your kids or have your kids this kind of way and that kind of way. It's cost to that. There's cost to uh, uh, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. There's cost, there's cultural cost to the commitment of marriage. It's cultural cost to humility. There's cultural cost to not loving money. Use money, earn money, invest money, save money, do anything with money except love money because the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. There's cultural cost in standing in obedience to the word of God. But anytime you think it's hard, just throw your eyes to Calvary. Anytime you think you're paying some great cross, <laughs> Just throw your eyes to Calvary. Jesus is the great Savior. Jesus is the great King. Jesus is the Messiah, the Anointed One, the only begotten Son of God. And this is not a biblical title, but Jesus is also the great one to put what you think are your struggles into perspective. When I think I'm paying some costs, I go to the next chapter and read John chapter 19. And by the time I get to the end of John chapter 19, whatever I think I'm paying costs, I'm like, I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> Spit upon, smacked, beard pulled, crown of thorns, the perfect spotless son of God. Who am I, a fallen sinner, to complain? about what obedience is costing me. If we say, I love the Lord, he heard my cry, then we ought to be willing to pay the cost of following Jesus.
If we say, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold, then we ought to be willing to pay the cost of following Jesus. And my pastor that I told you didn't like smiling in pictures, he also didn't let us sing that song because he's like, I don't want y'all lying in church. <laughs> Obedience is hard. But if it is a cup that the Father has given the Son, if it is the cup that the son told the disciples I'm going to drink, what else would he do but drink that cup? And so let that be part of your vocabulary. Shall I not drink the cup that my father has given me? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for these brothers and sisters and thank you for this precious seminary where they are studying. Please bless them with enduring hardness and their obedience to the word of God. May these women and men drink whatever cup you lay before them. And may they be empowered to do that by your spirit because they are constantly reflecting on our Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you are thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies, we hope that you consider us. If you also find these chapel messages encouraging and a blessing to your walk with Christ, we hope that you will consider financially supporting Southeastern. Our graduates are literally serving the kingdom across this globe, working to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Your gifts will help to train more, and they will serve as a worthwhile investment in God's kingdom. You can find more information about attending Southeastern or supporting us financially at www.sebts.com. We cover your prayers and trust that God will bless every good work you do for His glory. Thank you for joining us in our chapel services.